listen and stay tuned and join Howie. Here they are. And good morning, and welcome to another episode of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Hey, good morning, Troy. Good morning, Howie. It's opening. Op- I, I call this officially opening day for football. Thursday was just yeah. kind of a preview for what's to come, but yep. Sunday is the real deal where everybody plays, and then, you know, Monday is when the real team closes it out, I guess. You know, is that how it is? is that, well, I think actually, so. <laughs> so, so is that Denver or Tennessee? <laughs> yes. Yes, it's definitely Pittsburgh, Troy. But, <laughs> oh, well, I thought Denver and Tennessee closed the week out. So. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. I forgot they were playing the late game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you know, we're not going to delve too deep into football here. No. We do have a, a bonus football show now with football picks. Yeah. Um, but the uh, I didn't think it looked too bad, honestly. Um Thursday night. I don't know how much you watched or whatever, but uh, I, I thought it looked pretty good. I, looked, I thought, I thought it, it looked pretty good. good. And I did yeah. want to ask you, though, what did you think about the, the crowd booing when they did the Unity stand? Were they booing? I don't know. Really? I, yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of hard to tell. Okay. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that um, I think I think it was for two reasons. I don't think it was for Unity, really. Uh-huh. I think it was because, um, number one, the Texans had just come back onto the field. Yep. Because they didn't stay out for the national anthem. Correct. So I think that was part of it. And the other part of it was, I don't think, when you're in that mindset and you're getting ready for a football game, mm-hmm. you don't want to see your teams combining when they're getting ready to rip each other's heads. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It, well, so it's kind of like a, a boxer, two boxers hugging before the match. Right. You know, right. yeah, you don't want to see that. You want to, you want to so see them a little hungry. So there were booze in there, which I, I do get what you're saying. I do think there were some booze in there, but I don't think it was because people were against unity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'll tell you what, the take that I took on it, I don't know if you were listening to the announcements before they went to the unity part. They started, I wasn't. Okay. They, they were really going into detail about racism and... um you know, um, unfair treatment and all that stuff. And I think that was getting under a lot of folks' skin out mm-hmm. there because they were just kind of droning on and on and on about why they're doing the unity. And mm-hmm. and a lot of it is, I mean, controversial, you know. Think about it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of folks that support the police. There's a lot of folks that support uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, there's just a lot of um, divide there when it mm-hmm. comes to... Um, topics of today right now and i think uh, i think that's what got the crowd caught up into that the booing in my opinion i could be wrong yeah but, uh, yeah i think a lot of it just boils down to the fact that these they just want to see their team go play football yeah like they exactly. don't they don't want them to take and it's not political i don't think it is no um but they don't want to see them taking like just go out and play football yeah like that's you guys are paid to play football like when you're on the field play football yeah you know if you guys want to say other stuff when you're outside the field or you know in your interviews and locker room okay go for it whatever Mm -hmm. but you're on the field play football 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and and you know what? The argument that I'm hearing with that, Troy, is um, – and I'm even hearing this from friends and such, and, I, and I'll be honest with you. I don't agree with it, but I'm hearing a lot of, well, this is a business. And I'm like, you know what? It is a business, but yet you are – you're playing for your boss, and your boss, in my opinion, are the fans. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously, you got a an owner that pays you, but if you don't have, but he would, if you he don't wouldn't have, be paying without no, the fans. Being exactly, there, yeah. Without the right. support of the fans, you don't exist. Right. You know, and uh, and I think they're getting away from that a little bit. They're not really mm-hmm. realizing the city they're playing for. Uh, they're not understanding, you know, um, how they are viewed and. Mm-hmm. And, and I think with everything that's happening, you know, we're starting to see that maybe they're not as important as we thought they once were. And yeah. uh, and I think we're seeing, you know, we're going to have to – players are going to have to learn how to bring themselves down a little bit and humble themselves and realize that, hey, you know what? I'm playing for fans here. Right. You know. Right. And Well, as you could tell by, you know, with the fans not being in attendance this year. Yeah. And the salary cap's going down by, what, almost $50 million. Yeah. That, that they're projecting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that just goes to tell you how much those fans mean to their salaries. Yeah. And, you know what exactly. I mean? So. And the ratings dropped, I think, 16% for that opening night. Did it really? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. saying something because think about it. How many fans would, you know, if they can't be in the seats – Hey, I'm going to be glued to that TV if I'm really truly going to watch it, and obviously right. that's not happening. And that should be that should be a red flag for a lot of folks. Yeah, you would have thought it would have probably increased by 16, percent not decreased. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they need to they need to change their tone and and not make what they're doing a political statement. And in my opinion, you know, yeah. Um, and I think yeah, I they don't think get away from I don't that. think anybody's against. I shouldn't say anybody because there's always yeah, jobs yeah. out there. But I don't think, for the most part, the majority of people are against unity. I don't think that's what it has to do with at all. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't think it is for that either. I, I just think it's how it's portrayed. You don't you don't disrespect one thing so that you can respect another. Right. You know, um, but hey, once again, that's just my opinion, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, why would you kneel and disrespect a lot of people who respect the flag the way they do? And to show respect for another movement you know why can't you do that uh and i can't think of who did this before and i'm like you know what i can respect this a little bit more but they they kneeled or they did like a kneeling before the national anthem and then they stood for the national anthem and i can't remember what sport i saw that in uh but but it's like why can't you just do something like that that would be a lot more respectful and you're not and you're not putting any part of community down you're not you know so I yeah. don't know. Well, I mean, it's funny you brought that up because um, um, when when it when the football season was starting, my my wife had posted something on Facebook about like you know of all the craziness and in normalness in the world today, um, we do have you know football back, so that'll bring you a little bit of normal back. Right. And my uncle Paul was one of the ones to comment on that. Oh. And he said this this will probably be one of the first years he doesn't watch it. Okay. And he said, and, and I don't know if you remember his stance when, when oh, we were yeah. talking about this. But, like, he, he respects the fact that they can do whatever they want to do, but they also have to respect the fact that if he doesn't like it, he doesn't have to watch. Right. Yeah, I think his statement so, was they can do what they want to do, but it doesn't make it okay. Right, right. You know? And, right. Uh, yeah, that that kind of stuck in my mind when he said that. And I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have the right to do this and do that, but 
understand that it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be okay and it doesn't have to be okay in everybody's eyes. Right. Right. So that's, that's the chance you take by doing some of those things. Yep. So true. But I think we went down that rabbit hole too far, uh, a little bit too far. Yeah, let's so. go. Let's, stay, let's, let's take it let's to an era. for our football picks, right? Our, our bonus episodes. Yeah, um, stay look tuned. Look for those bonus episodes to drop where we make some football picks and talk a little bit about football. Yeah, so. most definitely. And uh, you will should be able to hear that drop sometime midweek. So, yeah, probably, uh, probably Thursday. Yep, yep. Wednesday or yeah. Thursday is, yep. is my goal with that. But yeah, so uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, let's take it to an era, Troy, where – just everybody was all on the same page. Everybody was rooting for one person. Uh, let's take it back to 1995. In fact, September 6th of 1995 was the anniversary of this particular um, uh, mystery clip. Yeah, mystery clip. Uh, and uh, we'll play the video. Actually, why don't we play it right now? So we'll play it here and uh, we'll come back. That mystery clip was Cal Ripken. And uh, that was actually from uh, September 6th, 1995, when he hit a home run in that game, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, we put in that number 2131 as the mystery clip. And that was obviously the uh, the day that he broke Lou Gehrig's record. I mean, yep. that was amazing. What were you doing yep. during that time? The record for consecutive games played. Um, yeah, he um, – what was I doing? I was – I believe the game was broadcast on ESPN, if I'm not uh-huh. mistaken. And uh, I, I remember watching that game. And yeah. um, I was a big Braves fan at the time. So yeah. and at that time, I think they were still on TBS a lot. Uh-huh. So I, I would always watch them. But any other baseball game, I didn't really ever watch, honestly. I really only ever watched the Braves. Okay, But I, I knew that that was just from all the talk about it and everything, I knew that was going to be a very important thing happening. Yeah, And uh, I definitely tuned in and watched that game and uh, – I'll never forget that victory lap. That was really cool. Oh, that was cool. You know, going around and and shaking all the people's hands. And if I'm not mistaken, I think um, when he went in, he when he when when he was official, he came out. He did his curtain call. Yep. And the crowd just did not stop cheering. No. No. And somebody in the dugout nudged him and said, "You got to do something else because they're <laughs> not going to stop until." Yeah. And then that's when he decided to go around and do his victory lap or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, um, what about you? Where were you at, and what do you remember about that? Well, I was definitely watching the game, and uh, and what I remember about it is, like you said, with the crowd, they just wouldn't stop. It was just uh, going on and on and on, and it was really a cool moment to watch. Uh, and and you think about that era; it was shortly after the strike in baseball, mm-hmm. and uh, and in my opinion, he saved baseball. You know, he was probably one of the folks that saved baseball during that era. Definitely during that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, and that's when everybody was pulling for one person. It didn't matter if you were a Yankees fan 
or a, a Red Sox fan, you were pulling for Cal Ripken of the Baltimore Orioles. So yeah, uh, that yeah, was that really was cool. uh, that was that was incredible. It mm-hmm. really was. I remember on the warehouse. On, oh yeah, is that, called? yeah. U- is that called Utah Street over there? I think so. Yeah, that's where they had the uh, the banner up there, and that you know, I don't know when they started it, but that's when they, they started number you know pulling the numbers, putting the numbers up when he was getting closer to the streak. Yeah, um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, do you remember who they? Um, I was trying to remember who they played that game, and I can't even remember. <laughs> I really funny. can't. You know what? That's funny because I was even. Let me see if I have it on because uh, I I brought it up on the YouTube on YouTube, and for the life, you know what? I must have taken it off. Okay, uh, I, but yeah, I, you're right. I don't. I don't know why the Angels were sticking in my head. I, I think you might be right with the Angels. Come to think of it, um, I mean, it's a shame it wasn't like the Yankees or you know a big rival team or something. But yeah, I don't think it mattered honestly during that era. No. Yeah, he was. <laughs> um, you know what though? I actually have a baseball from one of the games before that breaking. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but they would actually use a baseball the week prior, the week of breaking that record, and the baseball was orange instead of red stitches. Hmm. So, and I actually—that's that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder, wonder who came up with that idea. That's I don't know. Neat. I don't know, but I, I actually have one of the baseballs from that, and uh, it's really cool. Just a once in a while, I'll pick it up and look at. It. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. Just but on a side note, there, how beautiful is that ballpark down there? Oh. That was the that was the start of what we are now starting to see in baseball. You know, they, I remember walking in there, mm-hmm. and I felt like I walked into a totally different world. Yeah, like as a thirteen year old kid, it was my first time in there. Okay, and I'm just I'm just walking in there, and I just I, it felt like a totally different world. Like yeah. it was just, it was so cool. Like yeah, Camden Yards, man, it was it was almost like honestly, if you think about it, it was sort of if if you can imagine what it would be like to be on the field of dreams, you know, you know, that was kind of what it reminded me of. It was kind of like a a real version of field of dreams where you just walk on. It's like, wow, just an admiration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But ever since that day, that was like, that was the first time I ever actually went to a major league ballpark. Oh, okay. And um, ever since that day, I've always had a little bit of peace in my heart for the, for the Orioles ever since then. Yeah. Um, It's a shame that, if you go two blocks from there, you get, <laughs> you know, you go two blocks away from uh, Camden Yards, you're you're pretty much in the projects there. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's not too far from the harbor either. No, right? it's it's pretty much yeah. in the harbor if you think about it. Yeah, which is nice. It's walking distance to the harbor. Yeah, yeah, we used to spend a lot of we used to visit the harbor down there pretty often. That was a pretty nice play. Yeah, bad place down there. Yeah, with the aquarium um, and such. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that was Cal Ripken from 1995. And, uh, and we actually have a guest this week, Troy, and, uh, it was a a guest that you introduced to me Mm -hmm. and, uh, his name is, uh, Chad Slaybach. Yep. Uh, really, really nice guy. And I'll be honest with you. When we went into the interview, I went into it. Well, obviously, I knew nothing about the guy, and I was kind yeah. of wanting to do that. I didn't want to ask. Well, little him. did you know, you did know nothing. I know about this guy. I know. Little did I know, I probably batted against him at some point <laughs> in college because um, he was a he was a pitcher for Penn State, and and I and I played in one of the rival teams of them, and uh, 
Yeah, and he pitched against us. Uh, and I'm still gonna, I'm gonna, if I have to go to the college and and dig up those stats, I'm going to dig them up because I want to see how I did against him. Yeah. So, or maybe how he did against you. Um, we went undefeated that year, Troy. <laughs> actually you know we lost we lost one game we lost one game and that was in the uh, championship series championships was best of three mm-hmm. and we lost one of those games before winning two who was that two uh that was uh allegheny out in pittsburgh oh, okay yeah how big of an area does um does that like league or whatever consist of like um that league was well, eastern coastal so okay. it it goes well. I mean, probably all the way out to Pittsburgh is probably the further west as far as that particular division. And but then, how, like, how far north south is it? It's not just all Pennsylvania. Teams, no, it's it? not. There's some New York and some um, um, New England state teams and such. I think mm-hmm. I think they've changed it since. I think the divisions are a little bit altered. I think they yeah probably, they do that. All yeah, time, they're right? in a different conference now. But um, but yeah, for the most part, it was all of the East Coast, all the way down to probably Virginia, and up to New York for our league. You need to dig that up. We need to figure that out. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Because I want some either bragging rights, and if I did terrible, I'm not going to say a word. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if I don't hear anything, I know what happened. Yeah, there you go. There you go. No, I'll let you know either way. I'm okay. I mean, I've had some good games against some good pitchers, and I've had some bad games against some bad pitchers so it's yeah it happens yeah it definitely happens that's the game of baseball it sure is it's so unpredictable but yeah we didn't talk to him because of baseball right Um, you know we obviously talked to him because uh he has a different story to share and uh and you know why don't you just tell me you know tell us a little bit about you know who he is yeah, so he's the pastor of uh, a church. It's called uh, the Bridge Faith Community, mm-hmm. and uh, they're located in Anvil, Pennsylvania. Um, I-, I met him, I-, I don't know, roughly about 20 years ago or so. At a record uh, store. We actually, yeah, if you remember the wall, it was yeah. called the wall. I don't know how, I don't know if those went nationwide, or I don't know what they were. Uh-huh. But it's just a basically, you know, a, you know, where you go in and buy your music before everything was digital. <laughs> um but yeah, we met there. Um, I was actually working at Sears, and he was working there at the wall. And uh, I just walked. I used to go in there and just check out the new releases, all that kind of stuff, all the time. And mm-hmm. we got to build a friendship just by that. Oh wow! And I actually started working there part time with him then too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he 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 had a really rough childhood. Didn't know, you know where he wanted to go with his life. He had some depression issues. He had mm-hmm. um, a couple of different things where he just felt like he wasn't good enough all the time. And you'll hear more about it when he describes it. Yeah. And, and, um, and when I went into it, you know, when I was, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but we were actually talking even before you came on uh, yeah. on the side. And uh, what I like about him is he's very upfront and honest. I mean, this, mm-hmm. this show that we're going to be playing isn't about religion. Uh, right. It's about a change in his life and how he made that change and, and how religion was a part of that change. It wasn't necessarily the sole part of his change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I like I like his honesty about it uh, because like we are, you and I were talking before this show, you know, I'm, I'm not what I would consider a very organized religion person, but I am a spiritual person. And uh, and I always am fascinated by different religions and how people practice them and such. 
And uh, and he was one of those guys, you know, and you'll hear it in the interview that, you know, he was the last person he'd think that was even going to step foot in a church. Right. <laughs> much less run a church. Right. Uh, you know, so, so yeah, get to hear that story because it is a really cool story. And I think you guys will enjoy uh, this segment. Mm-hmm. So. So why don't we uh, why don't we just go right into it and uh, and we'll we'll listen to Chad Schlebach right after this message. All right, and we're back, and uh, well, we have another guest this week, and our guest is uh, the famous, world-renowned author. Uh, even has an audience based out of China. You name it, he's got it going on, and uh, his name is uh, Chad Schlebach. And uh, Troy, you want to? You want to give us a little more of an update about this guy? Because uh, I don't know who I'm looking at right now. Well, Chad Slaybach, a uh, great <laughs> friend of mine. I, I met this guy, geez, I don't know, what we going to say, maybe 20-some years ago, right, at this point? Yep. Wow. Yep. So um, he is also the pastor of uh, Bridge Faith Community Church, and that is located in Anvil, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, Chad, thanks for joining us today. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate what you did with my China audience, my Chinese audience. <laughs> yes. I, I think there's one, maybe. Well, you know what? We're hoping to build that audience to our uh, platform, <laughs> so uh, I had to give them a shout-out too, Chad. <laughs> yep, so. and I can I can give you mine too, so that's fine. <laughs> All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, so uh, um yeah. So, Chad, how uh, how are things going uh, with the church? I, I mean, I follow if I'm not at the church, I do follow it on the Facebook Live. So I know things are kind of going back into the swing of things a little bit. But how are they from your perspective? Actually, it's it's been such an interesting thing with the uh, with the COVID and the, the quarantine and everything that everybody was forced to change when when the the virus hit. And I thought the church really did a, a fantastic job. Like the big C church, the, the mm-hmm. worldwide church did a, mm-hmm. a terrific job of being creative and finding different avenues. And we were forced to as well because we couldn't meet. And when we were online, we actually ended up picking up an awful lot more. It's I, I've been calling it the virtual bridge because we have those people that are coming um, and who have been at the physical bridge. But then there's people that are that are all over the country who are who have found me or found friends of of friends of friends, and then they they checked it out because we were so active online, and so now it's almost like there's two different bridges. There's a mm-hmm. there's a physical bridge and the people that have actually been there, and then there's the one who's who exists only online. It's pretty cool. So yeah, um, it's a really interesting development from that something super cool has come from something that was terrible i was just so gonna it's, say it's, yeah it's neat to watch yeah that's pretty cool because uh if i mean there's there's someone here that's taking something as negative as covid and you know what you're you're seeing the positives that can come out of it so when your church goes back to you know what we would consider normalcy again uh are you looking to possibly continue that route of offering it via online well um once lebanon i always say after we were punished after lebanon county after the punishment was over <laughs> the um, punishment, and yeah. we could go back to green um then we started to meet again and there were lots of people for various reasons who who have risk factors that prevent them from coming and so not everyone has returned but 
we've we've been meeting and I still continue to do all of those things online and it forced us to to bring those things with us now my oldest son uh, the the biggest difference in what it looks like is now right in front my oldest son is videotaping me or <laughs> streaming me um and the whole service online so nice and that's the drawback like it's funny because you had this this really terrific thing come from something that was a negative and now people have found out that they really like going to church in bed <laughs> so there are still some people who are still liking to go to church in bed so you know, I, I remember I think it was specifically around Easter time that you said please get up please put something nice on <laughs> even if we are virtual just like make it make it feel like you're going to church you know I, I did and I asked for pictures I said just send me a picture yeah. And just send me a picture, and nobody did. So I don't think anybody actually. Oh, did they? Oh bed. man! No. I, okay. You know what? I got to be honest. I don't think I did dress up. That I know you so. didn't. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was giving it to you a little. I was going to say, does Troy <laughs> even have a wardrobe that would be considered Sunday uh, church attire? Oh, oh yeah. man, you got to see him. You should see him. He looks so sharp. We don't really have much of a dress code. I wear shorts and everything. Okay. But when Troy comes in, you know it. He, he comes for church. It's Heads pretty cool. Heads are turning. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, so let's. Um, so now that we know where you are, let's find out how you got there. So, what what led you to this path where you wanted to, where, where you where you found God, where you found Jesus, and you wanted to to even possibly start leading a church at that point? Well, all of those things happened in such increments. Mm-hmm. Um, and clicks. I I didn't believe in God. Um, I often will say I didn't believe in God, or on a good day I hated him. Mm. Um, until I was almost at the end of college, you know, I was one of those really smart guys who who thought I didn't need God, and I was whatever, and I was sad, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. But um, then I met a girl. And when I met that girl, I always, it's, it's my favorite part of the story. We started, we went out on a date or two and we really liked each other. And she said to me, um, she wanted me to come to church. And I said, I will never (laughs) go to a church ever, ever, ever. And so she said, listen, if you want to see me Saturday, I'll see you Sunday. (laughs) And I said, where's church? I'll be there. And um, the funny part was I used to say how church is just a it, – it was just a business to me. I, I thought that it was so shady and it was just about the money-making and they didn't really care about the people. They just cared about money and building bigger churches and, and whatever. And the first time – the very first time she finally got me to go to church, we go to this church that she had been going to. And it was one of those churches where the doors open and you can see all the way down to the front to where the pastor preaches from. And we opened the doors and I, I can see all the way down. And it was their fundraising week. And they had one of those big thermometers uh. where they were and they were raising money to build a bigger sanctuary. Just confirming oh, your uh, your perceptions, uh. right? Yep, and I'm just giving her an elbow in the ribs, and she could have crawled into the ground. <laughs> but as it turns out, um, then we didn't have to go. I didn't have to go back for a little while because I was right. And um, then a couple months later, 
some some good friends of hers. I I met them and they were they were very nice and kind to me and they didn't need to be. So that didn't make any sense. So I started to wonder why they were being so kind to me. And well then then everything changed because then they were part of a group that broke off from that church. They left the church and made their own church. And it was a female pastor, which I needed because I thought that church was just a boys club. And But it was a female pastor, and we weren't meeting in a building. We were renting out. If you're familiar with Anvil, mm-hmm. there's a place in town. It's now a, a Vietnamese restaurant, but yes. it has been every restaurant in the world. Mm-hmm. And 20, 25 years ago, it was... Um, a boys and girls a YMCA. Club. Yeah. Yes. And that's where they started to meet. And it so that wasn't at all about pretense or how big our building was or how awesome we were. It was just about Jesus. So that blew my mind about what church was. So I started to go there and then I started to fall in love with Jesus and coming from the background I was where this is gonna. This is too more than you asked, um, but <laughs> that's okay. I, yeah, bring it on. I grew up. I grew up not being, you know, that thing in your head that makes you think that you're not enough. And you'd say, "Well, not enough of what? Well, not enough of anything. I wasn't a good enough dad. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't good looking enough. I wasn't funny enough. You know, whatever." And um, that was the default in my head that I just wasn't enough. That I didn't belong in places. And then this whole community of of believers that was defined by by this god who was nothing like the one that i heard about growing up hmm. then everything changed for me and at the time i was i was delivering medical equipment to hospice patients and and so i was already getting very very soft and very very open mm-hmm. to so so many things on a spiritual level and then I got really involved in this church and one thing led to another I married that girl and then we had a kid we had some kids and all of that and then all of a sudden one day I said to her what do you think about me taking some classes at a at a bible college and seminary and it was online which was the only way it could have because I was I was working I mean you got to you the work, right and um and she thought that was a terrific idea. I was half expecting everyone in my life to say, have you lost your mind? <laughs> have you forgotten who you are? I was just going to say, was... after your wife dropped over and you picked her up, what was she like? Uh, like, seriously? After, I mean, does she remind you of what you once said? And, and how uh, do you respond to that? I do. I'm the one that's reminding. But I'll tell you, that first group of people, that first couple that I said, mm-hmm. they that I met. Yes. They were the first ones I told after my wife that I was thinking about it. And that's the funny part because the the woman, her name is Kim, I told her and I was just kind of cringed because they're Jesus followers their whole lives and she said it's about time. <laughs> wow. And I went, "What? Are you <laughs> kidding me?" So then um, I took the classes, but I was never going to leave that church. And then all of a sudden, that church ended. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been the wise guy and said, 
I'll never leave this church. It, if I move or if this church ever stops, I won't find another one. So I'll make my own. And that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. So that church ended. And um, I said, well, we'll meet in my house. And then we started to meet in my house. So when did you start taking these online classes to even get prepared to get to this point? Um, 11 years ago. Okay. So 11 years ago. Relatively the, the, new. Yeah. 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 I was probably 24. Okay. 23 once I started to fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the first 23 years of my life, I, I certainly didn't believe in God and even less believed in, ch- in the church. Yes. And um, even less than that, believed in any kind of Christians. Wow. That kind of reminds me, like, at one point in your story there, you were saying you weren't enough, whatever, mm-hmm. all those things. So when, what age would you have been about the time that we, that we met, roughly? Um, I, well, I think I started to work at the wall when I was 18, okay. 18 or 19. So you were probably still right in that transition stage then, so... Yeah, I wasn't. Well, I, the reason I bring that up is because you say you're not enough. You're not that. But you didn't make anybody you talk to feel that way. You made them feel exactly the opposite. And that's really surprising to me that you felt that way about yourself, but were so willing to make other people feel good about themselves. Like, well, what you like, find is I was a pleaser. And what you find is um, that I, I couldn't, I took my worth from if other people liked me. Hmm. You know what I mean? So the best way to make people like you is to, um, you know, be a funny guy or have something that they like. Mm-hmm. But that actually ended up serving me kind of well because I asked tons of questions and um, I, I, I genuinely, genuinely care for people's stories. Mm-hmm. So that was always pretty cool. And then you had people like you, which was I mean, it was so easy. It was so easy mm-hmm. to to be who I was. Right. It was quick. I didn't like have to fake. Quick. Right. Yeah. So that's, there's that's so much faking. There's so much faking that happens. You know what I mean? Like we always oh, try and be something different. I remember I dated a girl. There were two straight girls that I dated in college. And one loved Guns N' Roses and the other one loved Metallica. And at that, I love, I like those bands as well. But when I was dating them, um, they were my favorite bands too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least as far as they knew. Morrissey was still my favorite band at home. Yeah. But there's always that kind of image building, and it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. Oh yeah. And and you never. It's like it's on always shifting ground mm-hmm. because if it's based only on if they're happy with you or if you can you know, give them something that they need. You can't always do that. Mm-hmm. And then everything gets messed up and then you're in the same place as you were before, mm-hmm. but worse because now you've just been given that more feedback, more affirmation that really yet you're not good enough. Interesting. So to get out of that wheel was, was freedom. It really yeah, it was probably like a huge weight lifted off your shoulders. And and you yep. know what? You kind of bring up an interesting point because 
you know, like you said, you grew up really not believing in the church. In fact, you really didn't believe in God, uh, you know, for the most part, I guess I would be safe to say. Uh, and, and the whole idea of the church uh, being money laundering and, and just a business more so than a spiritual thing. Uh, from you coming from that background, what do you say to that person that's walking down the sidewalk and says, you know what, Chad, there's no way you're going to get me in a church because I don't believe and, uh, and I have no desire to, to walk in those doors. I mean, what do you say to someone like that knowing what your background was at one time? Um, I say, I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the interesting thing is I'm not all that pushy. Okay. So I'm not that guy that's, that um, needs you to believe what I believe right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that, that religious guy. Right. So, I'll meet that guy, that person. Well, first of all, we wouldn't have this conversation just walking down the street. We would have it probably over dinner. Okay. And because we know each other, because we started to like each other. Gotcha. And then they would say, I know that you're a pastor, but I don't really care. And I would say, well, that's fine with me. And then we would become friends. Mm-hmm. And then that that's the way everything works. You know what I mean? Anything other than that. Right. Is just me trying to get more people sitting in the seats at my church, which mm-hmm. stops being about Jesus and it stops being about the church and it stops being about the gospel and it becomes about me being awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, and people, and you can tell that, right? Like if you somebody, can. the first thing they say to you is, hey, come to my church, you're like, ah, no thanks. But if you're friends with them and, and then it just so happens that, you kind of like the way they do stuff and maybe I'll try that church out mm-hmm. and then maybe we can find Jesus there. It's exactly how it happened with my wife. We, we got close. We, we, we started to date Well, we were friends. We started to date and then we got to be closer friends. And then we started to like things about each other and develop a relationship. And then she says, Hey, come to my church. And I really liked everything about her. Mm-hmm. So, she wasn't like all the other Christians who were just hammering on me to be a part of their, their church, their community, their, their numbers. Mm -hmm. And what do you, what are your thoughts on those folks now? The folks that do like the hammer and to, I don't want to say force you into the church, but really strongly encourage and, and almost make a bad name, you know, for, for going to church. Yeah. How do you respond? Yeah. I, there's two things. There's two ways that I look at it. I, I talk about um, the two, two hands theology all the time because it's never just one thing. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, they're pushing people away. Yeah. And I, I wish that that wouldn't happen. Like I, I, they're 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 shoving people away from God, and and that's not okay with me. Mm-hmm. So that on on one level, you know, stirs me up a little bit, and it makes me want to scream. Right. But on the other hand, those people really are genuinely looking for God. They're genuinely trying to serve God in the way that they know to serve God. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that you can fault anybody with that. I, I think now, if mm-hmm. you ask me, I think they're 
methods are a little misguided. Mm-hmm. Sure. But but certainly I can't I'm not in a position to talk about their motivation. Mm-hmm. Any more than they're in a position to talk about mine. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. The same, the same actions can be done from very different hearts. Mm-hmm. And and you can't tell the difference. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So so let's take a little bit of a turn here. Um, when did your book come into play? Because what? I learned a, a lot. Book? <laughs> I learned yeah. a lot about this about you that I didn't know by reading this book. And I'm pretty sure I've told you this before. I am not a reader. I am not a reader at all. So for me to read this book (laughs) took about all I had. (laughs) Well, um, I appreciate you. I really appreciate you. I Um, saw him read the Sports Illustrated, by the way, so don't let him lie to you. That's about all. To be be grouped in with Sports Illustrated and the ESPN website is fine with me. There you go. (laughs) Um, So, how that happened was oh, so I was I was working delivering medical equipment, and I was we had we were doing the church, and the church was growing a little bit, and um, it was just too much. It was just too much. I was ready for a breakdown. So then I went part time at at my at work. In, at delivering medical equipment, and then I'm starting to get this this thing. Well, I, it was looking at like another breakdown. So I ended up quitting and leaving that job, which left me with tons of time. And I'm a writer, and I like to write. I, I, I post online, and I, I have always been a writer. I had all of these books and um, notebooks full, and I thought, I think that what I'd like to do is collect those. And then, so the Mm. first six, eight months of, now half of the book are the, are the posts that I posted online over the past 10 years. Okay. Okay. Um, but the first half was the kind was, I, I started to write and I was writing hours every day trying to pull this together because I wanted kind of a cohesive vision, vision for my life and to have, have it be a kind of a memoir, a Bible study, um, a story of the church. I wanted all of that stuff in one place. Yeah. And so I just started to write and write and write. And while I'm doing that, this goes all the way back to the beginning where in my head, I'm hearing those lies that go, (laughs) Who's ever going to read this? You've got no business writing any of this. This is a joke. This is a waste of everyone's time. But um, I just kept writing and writing and writing. Well, is, isn't, I mean, writing just a form of art, though, right? And yeah. Even if it's just something that helps you get your creative release out, that's all that really matters, you know? That's so. exactly... You would like... Now, ideally... Um, sure. I know Kurt Cobain used to say he didn't want to be a rock star and didn't want to sell records. And I don't really believe that because if he didn't, he would have stayed in his garage. Yep. So on one hand, you, you would really, really like, it's the reason they have a church. Like um, we have a church hoping to reach people. You know, you have a faith community hoping to love other people. You write a book hoping that people can maybe see a different idea of God and um, maybe get them closer there. Not closer to me, 
but closer to 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 him to mm-hmm. that um so i wanted people to to read it obviously <laughs> but um it wasn't about selling a bazillion copies which is why it's not on a place like amazon right or anything like that um if you prop there's a website where it's on but if you wanted to get it you would you would get it from me okay so the title of the book what is it and how did you come about the title of the book it's called chronicles nehemiah and other books nobody reads <laughs> and um when we started the church i and, you know, funny story with that. I say that so easily now. In the beginning, I wouldn't call it a church to anybody. We were That's why we're called the Bridge Faith Community, because mm. I didn't want to be lumped in with other churches. <laughs> right. So um, when we started it, I said, all right, if everybody wants to come back here next week, we will open up our Bibles and start in First Chronicles 1.1. How we study the, the, the Bible at churches, we go b- verse by verse through books. Okay. So I know exactly what I'll be teaching in, you know, two, three months because we're just working through this particular book. Gotcha. And it ended up taking us probably two and a half, three years to get through both of the Chronicles. But it was interesting because when I said we're going to open the Chronicles, most folks said to me, oh, I've never read Chronicles. <laughs> and then we read, we did Nehemiah and, and we do those books that, that nobody really looks at mm-hmm. and... They're just so thick. They're just so full of valuable stuff. I, I mean, it's cool to look into the, the context and the, the history behind it. Yeah. But it's also neat to see how – I, and I, I say it a lot. It was written by, a per, by people then, by a certain person then, and it's also for us now. And it's fascinating over and over and over how you see that. Over and over, you see the same things that were a problem then, thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. are still problems today. Such as well, what? That makes yeah, well yeah, okay. Go ahead, answer what? that first. Such as what? Such when, as when what? you say when you say problems then as today, what what type of problems are you referring to? Um, well, one in particular is sex. Mm-hmm. I you know, did you ever listen to the Jim Rome show? Uh, yes, I have. Not in a while, but I have, yes. Jim Rome always used to say, sex is the only undefeated champion. Because, <laughs> um, and if you go back through the Bible, that's how it, everything starts. Mm-hmm. Now, the truth is, it's about, um, I, I will get into trouble with sex because it's about me wanting to feel good. So it's kind of all about me. It's not really about sex too much. It's about me feeling good. Right. But sex is a is this huge thing, and so is money, and so is comfort, and so is status and power and and whatever. And those things are universal, and they never ever change. They started in Genesis three, and they're still here in the presidential election in twenty twenty, and. I'm sure they'll be in the presidential election in 2040. Mm-hmm. So, so what I was going to say, um, you started getting into um, something that was written so long ago. So how do you get to the point where you can decipher, not maybe exactly what this guy was thinking, but 
because you hear so many different versions when somebody deciphers what they think this verse meant, or they'll just take a snippet of the verse and use it for what they want to use it for. So how do you come about using your knowledge and your uh, expertise, I guess we'll say, in deciphering what verse you're reading and how you think he meant it or she meant it? Hmm. Um, well, everybody has an agenda, right? Everybody has an agenda. Um, I learned a long time ago when somebody says, we just read the Bible or we just teach the Bible, they're trying to sell you something. They're, everybody brings their experiences. Every, here's just a cool story about this. So there's a story in the Bible called the prodigal son. Uh, if we, most, most people have at least heard about it on some level, whether mm-hmm. you've ever been to church. And the prodigal son is about a kid that um, says to his dad, I don't want to be a part of the family anymore. I just want all my inheritance and I want to leave. And the dad it breaks his heart, but he gives it to him, and the kid leaves. And when the kid's away, in the, the, the Bible story says things like, he squandered all of his money, there was a famine, and he had to come back. And as he's coming back, he was eating like pigs, and as on his way back, the father goes to get him, and it's just this beautiful picture of God's love. But what they did, what this group did, was they went to different countries, different communities, different um, ethnic backgrounds, and said, why why did the kid have to come back? What happened to the kid when he was away? And in America, where we're raised on an American dream, where we have personal responsibility and all of that, they we would say, well, he squandered it. He, he was irresponsible with his money and blew it and and now he has to come back. Mm-hmm. In Russia, for instance, where it's a different kind of environment, they read the story and said, well, he got into all the trouble because there was a famine. Mm-hmm. And both of those are true, mm-hmm. but, but it just illustrates how, how important our, our observations, our experiences, our lives, our geography, our demographics mean to how we take these things in. Mm-hmm. So I say all of that just to say, I don't know what Paul was thinking, but I know what I'm thinking. Mm. And the only way that I can really go wrong with that is to say, I'm teaching the Bible. Mm. You know, what I, mean? I, I know exactly I, who would be so arrogant to think that sure. I, I can I can know and I can study and, and I do tons and tons of what was happening in the world. Like we're studying a letter now, and I know what was happening when he wrote that letter and to who. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense to me. And then you start to look at what the different words meant then and now. And then, like that's a fun place to get into. And that'll lead you to different places in the Bible, different kind of words. And like when they say love your neighbor, they had four words for love. And we just say love for everything. My jeans, my T-shirt, this podcast, my wife, you know, mm-hmm. I, but I don't love them all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, no, the podcast is definitely way up there. I get that. You know? <laughs> off the charts. <laughs> Without a doubt, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then you start to look at those kinds of things, and then you can get a better idea of what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And 
you look at the entire scripture, like the people that'll say eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. Now, and say that justifies all kinds of behavior. What mm-hmm. they're doing is forgetting half of the Bible. Right. You know what I mean? They're forgetting when it was when it was written and kind of what it was for. It was a huge step forward at the time. Then, but if you look at it in New Testament context, that's a huge step back. So the Bible moves as well. And so if you take all that together, the character of God, the character of God's people, bring those all together, mm-hmm. then you can kind of get a handle on what these things meant and what they mean now. And and if things have changed, because things change all the time. Yeah, and and I get and I and I love the I love your take on things. But I know you also said, uh, you know, how can people be so arrogant to to think that way? But we all know that there are those people out there that are arrogant and that they believe what they're teaching is the only way that it is, and there is no other way. So and and I think you see a lot of that, especially when you watch it on TV with people preaching uh, and and so forth. Uh, but when you know, and I and I I come from a mental health background, so I really I really pay attention to the psyche of of folks and such. And uh, when when you're talking, I always try to imagine, you know, what was your thought process? Well, you kind of you kind of disclose what your thought process was back then before church and what your thought process is today in today's day. Uh, do any of those ever interlapped over time where, you know what? Yeah, there's some things that I'm, that I'm ready to talk about in church, but then there's that skepticism in me that was like, you know what? <sighs> how did they ever fit all those animals on the ark? You know, something along those lines, you know, um, like, like is, does that still come to the forefront at any time when you are talking about any type of um, thing in church or? Absolutely. Did, did a fish really <laughs> eat Jonah and keep him for three days? And then really, right. was it did the snake really talk? All the time. Okay. All the time. Um, you know, I, I say arrogant. Um, what I think is there's and, – and what I can – I know that I am often mistaken for a guy who says, you know, whatever it, – it, I can sound an awful lot like one of those guys that says whatever you believe. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I That is not me. I, I, I believe in Jesus. Okay. You know what I mean? But I also, in the Bible, the people who were so sure that they knew what God was thinking and what God wanted, every time, every time were shown to be spectacularly wrong. Mm. That hmm. God's vision for everything was so much bigger than they could imagine. And, and you still see that. You see, you see people still killing in the name of God, and just like it was in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, when I, so I try and hold things with kind of a loose hand. Sure. And there are still things in the Bible that I don't understand. Less things than you'd think, because I think most of the time when people say they don't understand it, it just really means they don't like it. Mm. So there are things in the Bible I don't like. And um, I have found it 
to be to serve me well to say to stand in front of people and say here's what the bible says i don't like it and i don't understand it okay so but this is what we can learn from that kind of thing mm-hmm. and, reminds, go ahead, go ahead Bo. no, no you. i was just gonna say it reminds me of a story uh, well, one of your one of your sermons from I don't know it might have been that might have been right after the quarantine was lifted actually, and um, you were talking about um, oh geez I can't remember names right now but it was the story of um, the the woman um, being um, in a pr- promiscuous position with the um, with the man and it was like everything that they all went against but. You know, I, I could tell that you were, it's a story that you didn't think you would find in the Bible. You didn't think there'd be people like this in the Bible. Yes. And maybe you could talk about that just a little bit, because I thought that was a really interesting story. And I can't remember the name, so I apologize. Um, there's there's lots of stories where people show up in the, um, in like the, just for example, the lineage of Jesus um, has women in it, which was a huge thing that would have been just a scandal. When it was written and the women that are that are written about one was a prostitute the other one was in this gross relationship with her father-in-law another one was Bathsheba who was born who whose relationship with David came out of an adulterous relationship and murder like all of these things and Mary was a 13 year old kid um so there are all these things that if you were to draw up the Bible, if you were to invent it and say, this is what a God would do, those wouldn't be in it. Hmm. So, and the church, the, the church, you know, and I use that, that religion has done a really good job of keeping those people out. And I think that's been the biggest disservice because Jesus spent his whole life trying to bring those people in. So it's it's that's really really interesting, and I, for one, am not going to be on the on the wrong side of that. So I, <laughs> if I'm going to make a mistake, it's going to be letting people in. Hmm. Well, that was one of the biggest things I picked up from that from that lesson was that it's not typically a story that that preachers are going to talk about or pastors are going to talk about, and I just loved how you drew context from that and really put it into. Um, like an everyday type, I, I almost could imagine it happening in this day and age, the way you were telling the story. And, yeah. I, you know, I thought you really explained that story well. So um, Thank I, you, man. it might've been, was it Esther or something? Was that, I don't know. Esther's if, an interesting story. <laughs> okay. It could have been, it could have been, but Esther's a, Esther's an interesting story. And Ruth, we t- there's so many, you know, you grow up, and you hear stories about about Noah and the ark, and it's just this wonderful story. And mm-hmm. then you forget that all the people on Earth died except for a handful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a really feel good story. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? Um, we can maybe switch gears here a little bit. Uh, all right. You just we were talking about the ark here. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell us what happened to you, buddy? Uh, oh, you should have had an ark. Well. Actually, funny that you ask and funny that we're doing it today. Nine years ago yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was yesterday. I In Tropical Storm Lee, I, mm. I don't know if you remember it. 
um, Tropical Storm Lee, and it it was a hurricane, and it was coming and doing just what tropical storms do. Right. Until it just stopped right over Anvil, and mm-hmm. um, when it stopped raining, I had lost my house mm. and everything. And you know, they're actually totally tied up forever because I lost my house and and all of our stuff and whatever. Most of our stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we were classified homeless. We were living with those two people that I told you about in the very beginning of my story in a, room, in a couple of rooms in their house. And, and it was, it was just outstanding. And then, but in the school database, we were homeless. Mm. So um, that's just an interesting part of the story that makes it sound worse than it was. But um, so we ended up buying this house that I'm sitting in right now. And we were in this house six days and it was a big celebration. And we invited the, the pastors of the church to the house to see the house and everything. And while they were here that day, they told us that our church was over. So we lost two homes right away. And it was the saddest. It was, it was just the worst mm-hmm. year. It was the worst year. So that was 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly what year it was. Um, you know, here, here I was in my misery with a, a foot and a half in my basement, and this guy had <laughs> five feet in his living room. Wow! <laughs> so you know, I'll tell you, um, I I could feel so much for people with a uh, foot and a half because you had to then get it out and clean it up. Now my house was was ruined, and yeah. it, it ends, it's not there anymore. So I just left. Mm-hmm. I just left that house, and then I. The one part, though, that I I fought with an insurance company for mm-hmm. months, every day, to try and get them to pay me, and um, they wouldn't. They didn't um, through some loopholes and some really garbage. Um, yeah, I just regulations. Find, I find that so amazing that you pay all this money every month. <sighs> you know, to be covered and, and for them to find and look for loopholes, uh, to not give you the money when you've, I don't want to say you've earned it, but you know, when you have a justified reason, yeah, to, to receive that money, it just, it does sicken me when I hear stories like that. So if if you'd have, if, if you'd have an hour, I would, and I'm not going to do it here because it's (laughs) the most boring story, Uh but you would be ready to tear it all apart because Mm -hmm. every single thing that happened was just laughable. It was just a joke. You felt like you were on some kind of TV show where they were, you getting punked. Yeah. Hmm. The the thing that always sticks out about to me about that story, about your, your loss there um, is, is how you were saying you had to stop. You had to pick up sub pumps and you were trying to shop back water out as much as you could. But when you hit that spot, when you had the uh, the little basement windows, and you when you actually were dumping the water out and seeing it coming right back in through the windows, <laughs> you're just like that's yeah, that's it. It's disheartening. Like, oh man, let it me tell good. you, at two a.m. on Wednesday night into Thursday, I had five pumps running in my basement, and they were making all kinds of noise because there wasn't enough water. The water didn't even cover my feet. Oh at my 2 a.m. At 2 a.m., we had gotten all the water out. It didn't cover my feet. And by 2.15, I had to swim out of that basement. Oh. 
Because at two, at two <clears throat> I, I'll never forget it. It was it was maybe 201, 202. I looked at the window and, and it started to come in like a waterfall, those yep. little basement windows. Mm-hmm. And um, it started to come in like a waterfall because the creek was now at the house. And I looked at my friend who was actually the guy from the story that I told you in the beginning. So he was there. And I looked at him and I, and I said, what do we do now? And he goes, I'm so sorry. And then I went back to the back room and I turned the light off. And by that point, the water was halfway up my legs. And then by the time I got to the stairs, it was up to you know, my chest. Oh, my gosh. It, it filled up like that. And then I went straight upstairs and I grabbed my bag and I pulled, I grabbed a bag full of my wife's unmentionables because yeah. I knew that at that point that we weren't coming back anytime soon. And I grabbed some of the boys' artwork off the wall mm. and I was holding it over my head as I was walking down the middle of the street because the water was up to my shoulders in the oh. street. Wow. It was awful. But <laughs> that is it was unbelievable. The crazy thing, the crazy thing, and I would never say this in front of my wife. She's not here because <laughs> because it still makes her mad when I say it. Hold um, on. We better not make sure she listens to this. I am a completely different guy than I was then. In every, I am better in every way because of that moment mm. when I realized, and now it hurt, and it still hurt and it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the truth was, up until that point, I thought, I got this under control. Like, life. Like, I can control things. I, I can mm-hmm. handle it. I can protect my kids. I can, you know, keep it's everybody right. safe. Right. I'm a superhero. Mm-hmm. And um, at that moment, I knew I have, there's nothing for me to do. And that really, really changes you. Because now what you have is a situation where you don't have to keep the world together because you can't. So why why keep trying? And now yeah. I fall. Like I still make those mistakes all the time and it mm-hmm. causes me great stress and anxiety. But yeah. the truth is I can't stop the rain. I can't make the insurance pay. I can't, you know, save all my kids' toys. Mm-hmm. So why am I spending so much time trying to? So, so in, a, this is a crazy story. Yeah. Oh. So, so in your in your line of work and with everything that's going on, uh, never mind hurricanes. That's nothing, you know, compared to what's going on today with uh, all the violence and oh. and all the you know what you can basically you can say racism. Uh, you can you can say divided country. However you want to word it or however you want to view it. How does someone like yourself? keep the community together because let's face it i'm sure there's a lot of folks underneath your roof on every sunday that have a lot of different opinions how do you try to separate that from interfering with what you're trying to uh pour, you know trying to uh send the message out i give this so much thought and and i um if you were if if you were the enemy mm-hmm. okay and you wanted to destroy uh, human beings, humanity, what you would do is you would isolate them. Yes. Okay. You would totally 
put them in their houses to where they couldn't sit next to people, to where they couldn't see people, to where they couldn't hug people, none of that. And then it's very, very easy to take us apart because mm-hmm. at that point we start to think um, in terms of they, them, those people, that kind of thing. Now, if, if you could get all those people back together, mm-hmm. like, and you have somebody who's, you have a Trump guy sitting next to a Biden guy. Right. Sitting there together, talking about their families, then things things aren't nearly like they would be now. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even be close because you would see the other people. The other there wouldn't be an other. There would just be your friends. Yes, because now it's not those crazy godless, dumb, um, whatever people. The the heartless. The the people who don't care about you, the people who want to keep you down. It's not really all those people. I mean, there's some. There's this many. This many. But um, mostly, it's just people who might believe a little different, mm-hmm. who might think. But but when you're in your houses alone, you really start to believe the, the narrative that you hear that tells you those fringe 2%, that's everybody. Yes. So you got to pick one or the other. When the truth is, like, I bet you, now, I I know Troy for a really long time, and I really love him, but I bet you that we don't agree on everything. (laughs) In fact, I don't know if you know this, I hope that he keeps this very quiet, he likes the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Unfortunately, he just does not, but yes, go on (laughs) with that point. (laughs) And he does not like the greatest football team, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so you know what I, our I, time I, is up uh. <laughs> so so i sit in my house thinking everybody who knows anything anybody who's worth talking to likes the dallas cowboys mm-hmm. um and everybody who doesn't you know is is wrong okay is right. just so misinformed uneducated whatever but if i if i actually meet troy then those silly divisions Mm-hmm. that I've made up in my head, they all start to fall because he's so cool, even though he likes that team. You know, he's right. still a beautiful person. He's still a dad, just like me. He's still, you know, working a job just like me. And we just might see things from a different point of view, which is okay. When mm-hmm. That only stopped being okay because we don't see, our fr- we don't see each other anymore. Hmm. Interesting point. No, I... I, I agree totally, um, and I, I I mean Howie and I got into this discussion. I don't know if it was just you and I talking, or if it was when we had one of our guests. But we're like, it doesn't always need to be just because we disagree, we can't talk. Right. I, I don't know what happened there that there has to be that line there. Just because yep. you disagree, that's actually a chance to learn and have a nice conversation, yeah. and maybe get a different viewpoint. And maybe you still won't believe that viewpoint, but at least you might see it differently. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yeah. And, and and I'm and that I'm one just to be happen. yeah, and I'm one to be very like when when folks disagree with me, I welcome it, you know, and I I'm okay with it. In fact, uh, when I see people purposely avoiding me, I go out of my way to confront them, you know, and that's not always good either. But I also 
I also like to show people that, you know what, I'm not afraid of your opinions and you shouldn't be afraid of my opinions. So why why is the isolation happening like you had said, Chad? Uh, why, why is the divide happening? You know what? I, and yeah, I mean, I don't have to like you for your um, political beliefs or your or even your religious beliefs, depending on what you know, what religion you practice. It doesn't make you a worse person than me. Uh, and, and I don't become a better person than you just because I believe something that's different. Uh, and, and I just wish I wish people would get that message. And I think a lot of it and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I just believe that the divide comes in how the media nitpicks what to say and what not to say. And I also believe that uh, the divide comes in today's day and age where there is so much information out there via the social media, via all the news sites, because everybody's trying to get their story out quicker than the next because, you know, it's their story, their headline. If it doesn't get out five minutes later, someone else is going to have it. So they don't necessarily fact check everything that needs to be fact checked. And, uh, and, it, and it turns into us reading the headlines only because there's so much other sources out there. And when we read the headlines only, uh, we become, for, for a lack of a better word, we become stupid with information because the information isn't even a tenth of the way full of what it should be without research. Ignorant for sure. Yeah, very ignorant. Yeah. you know, And that, I mean, I know where you were going with that, Howie, because I don't know if you had listened to our interview at all, Chad, but we had uh, Troy Martin on and he was a, uh, a news reporter. And he worked for Fox 43 as well, some other places as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I mean, the motto they lived by was if it bleeds, it leads. And, yeah. and if it was bad news, that was the news they wanted on first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that's certain. And the media is certainly not helping people um, come together, in my no. opinion. No. Right. You know, um, I, I just talked last week about uh, all of these things are related. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't really believe that church is different from anything else. like spirituality. I think everything is spiritual. Mm-hmm. So all of these things blend together for me. So I think that they all get connected. Like I think the reason that end times is such a huge industry in the church is for the exact same reason. And it doesn't do anybody any good, but it keeps people afraid and it keeps people it so the bleeds it leads, everyone's afraid because they think the world's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And we're alone, and we really like to be the ones that are right. You know, we like oh. to be the ones that are inside, that are that have been invited to the party. And to, it's not good enough to only be invited to the party. There have to be people not invited to the party, too. <laughs> so... So you set up these these things. It's not good enough for me to win. You need to lose too. Yes. And I need to win, and I need to do everything I can to hold on to that narrative in my head because I'm so scared of anything else. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things are, you know, they all tie back together, and we're also scared. And, and, and yeah, you make yeah, a good uh, point there. And uh, you know when. 
And, and this actually brings me to another thought, because what about like in this day and age where everybody has a voice? I mean, geez, we're we're having a podcast we're we're, we're creating a voice for people to listen to. I mean, uh, you know, anybody and everybody who has access to a, a smartphone can make their own YouTube video, can make their own movie and for the most part. Uh, so everybody has a voice, but I think in some cases, I think that voice that they believe they have, they feel like they are communicating to the world and that world is listening to them when in reality, it's really not that much so. So now all of a sudden we're living in a fantasy world where what we're saying, we actually believe. And uh, how, how does that happen in this day and age where, you know, like how do you send that message out where, hey, uh, folks, there are other people that might have the truth and not everything you say might not be believed by everybody else? Yeah. You know? But I, I, you know what? I think the only way this gets solved is um, at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, or over a meal, over a drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, over a cup of coffee because this isn't working out. These screens aren't working out for us and, and everybody being their own source of information isn't working out. And the the isolation, the, the quarantine hurt us in ways that, that we, that we won't know for, for years and years Mm -hmm. because of, because of the, the tear in, in community, in relationship, Right. And that's ha- that's the only way that things get fixed. Yeah, very true. Yeah. That's that's a good point. That really is. Um So I mean, I just I don't know I don't know. I don't I don't know where to go from here. I'm just <laughs> Well, you know what, Troy? We went in so many well, different we directions we to, we went, and, and No, we did. We went down such a serious road and I was trying to bring it back to something a little bit more fun here to kind of sure. you know, Well, you know what? I have a, I have a fun end, but... question for you, Chad. Okay. Um both Troy and I and I and I'm a, I think you still had that teacher that was in school at the time, Mrs. Schlebach. Yes. Are you related to her? A teacher no, at Northern London. Okay, I was just curious. Um, and I think that's even a different spelling, actually. I oh, think is he had it? a different spelling. Oh, no, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Because his his Slaybach is actually not with the CH in the in the beginning. Oh, gotcha. So I am the last of my family line. Oh really? And as far as I know, I have um there were two people who shared my name, two girls that lived around me, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that that there aren't any Slaybox around. Gotcha. So I have some cousins, but they're all they're all women. Is it is you it grew German... up where? Did I, I didn't hear no, you? I'm sorry. He, he was asking. He was asking if it's a German background. It, it is. Okay. Yeah. It and is. Then, I grew up in Adamstown. Adamstown. If that's you know where, where that okay. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't I remember. Went, yep, I went to Cocalico. That's okay. what I thought. Okay. Yeah, which isn't going to help our Chinese friend, our Chinese market. (laughs) They don't know where Adamstown is. I bet. Well, don't worry about it. They'll find it now. Yeah, we'll figure (laughs) it out. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Now, do you know this guy right here, Howie? Uh Now you're looking at this this beautiful head of his. But do you know this guy had beautiful, long, flowing locks? Oh, really? Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. Well, when I met my wife. It was a bait and switch. I'm telling you, <laughs> I met my wife and I had really long, stringy, 
thin hair. Mm. And and um, I was the opposite of everything she had ever wanted in a man. And yet, <laughs> it worked out. And then I believe it was the day after we got married. No, at, we got married. We went on our honeymoon. The day I got home, I shaved my head. Really? Yep. So I, you don't, college. Is it possible that you can grow it back? Is what you're saying? No, no. <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> it's not that close. Okay. But, um, I I got a job and I had to cut it a little, but I had I had hair. Yeah. And then for the wedding, I couldn't shave it before the wedding, and then after the honeymoon, I did. So now, then she, so she married. She got together and married a guy with with hair, and then the. <laughs> Her husband has none. That's a heck of a thing. Sheesh. She's probably still resentful of it. Oh, I, I bet. Yep. I bet. Well, do you know what else you guys share uh, that I didn't even think about? Is uh, you guys have quite the love for baseball as well. Ah, okay. Are you a baseball fan? Very much so. I played college he was. Ball. Oh, yeah. Where did you play? Uh, actually, I uh, played junior college at Northampton out in, uh, uh, in uh, Bethlehem. I'm going to tell you a funny story. Um. I played at Penn State Berks, ah. and and then I came to Lebanon Valley, and I played at Lebanon Valley. Okay, but um, Penn State Berks used to be in the conference with Northampton. I, I remember I going know. to Northampton yeah. to play. Okay, how old are you? I am forty six. I bet you we played against each other. <laughs> <laughs> when did was, you graduate? I, um, it, I would have been there in ninety three. I ended up going to Colorado um, University after that, but. Um, but yeah, I played fall in, of 93. It would have been fall of 93. Yeah. I guarantee you we played against that each other. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. yeah that's he was the crazy. I was the he catcher. Was the um, I was the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> I Look probably had, you know what? I, I used to keep a black book on all my opponents and, and what I felt their strong suits and their weaknesses were. Back in the day before we could do analytical data, yeah. I need to find that book and see if I can find your name in that, especially if you pitched against oh, us. My. I was an easy one. I, I couldn't throw a curveball to save my life. I only learned how to throw a changeup in my senior year. Oh, wow. But, um, I could just throw pretty hard. That okay. was it, though. If yeah. you could hit a fastball... You, I, you didn't have much trouble with me. Well, we, we, <laughs> we always had a pretty good team out there, so we, we always uh, competed pretty well. Uh, in fact, we ended up winning the championship uh, oh. that year. Yeah. Yeah, against Allegheny. Isn't that, what a small world. I know, I know. I, I figured you guys were about the same age, but I didn't think yeah. it was going to be that you guys were in the same league and everything together. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. So, Chad, if you want, I can show you what the medals look like for winning championships. Oh, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to. That's really nice of you. Hey, no problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I, um. See, now that we're friends, I, I'm glad that you would let me into that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what you took from me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, oh, and, and you know what? What's funny is during spring training down in Cocoa <laughs> Beach, Florida, um, I played against LVC. Oh, so, my. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh-huh. That is interesting. That then I only went to Lebanon Valley, I think, in 96. Okay. Did I was you... on the extended program. It took me, it didn't take me four years. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were in the Chris Farley program. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, Everybody wow. goes to college for seven years. That's yeah, right. It was just a four years was just a suggestion for me. Okay. 
So you know what? We probably played high school ball against each other too then because I went to Northern Lebanon. I graduated in 92. You know, I don't remember ever playing any teams from Lebanon. Um, I We played like Mannheim mm-hmm. and um, Mannheim Central, okay. Warwick, Ephrata. I don't remember. Oh. I know that Anvil now plays um, some of the smaller schools mm-hmm. that were like Peckway Valley and stuff. Sure. Like, but I don't think we ever came to Lebanon. Okay. Yeah, we, we played, I, don't remember. I know we played Lancaster County teams. I can't remember. I know we played Cocalico in football. Yes. But, um, yeah, I don't remember baseball though, because we were playing much bigger schools than uh-huh. our little farm school. <laughs> yes. What are you trying to say, Chad? <laughs> you know we were a farm school. Hey, I wasn't talking about. Hey, oh no, so were we. Yeah. <laughs> I know that now. Hey, hey Troy, I, I didn't want to mention him. We were section champions that year too. So, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, like you I said, boy, I got to go. look at what time it is. Yes, yeah, amazing, <laughs> amazing. So, but no, oh, no, you know, what, though, a small little world. It is a small little world, and uh, we'll definitely have to talk some baseball in the near future for sure. Oh, I would like that. Yeah, most definitely. But, uh, but yeah, it guess, was really uh, great talking with your, you. Well, one of your one of your little guys is really into baseball too, right? Which, oh. Well, not so little anymore. But <laughs> my my big one actually is my little one's a, a heck of a basketball player. Okay. So yeah, um, and I say little one, he's he's thirteen, and he's a. He can play. Mm, he can yeah. play. He, um, nice. I just said to him, I took him out. Well, I took him to the cleaners the <laughs> other day on one-on-one. And I said to my wife immediately afterwards, I said, the only thing I do better than him is shoot. But he does every single thing better than me. And the second that he can start to shoot, yep. um, as good as I can, yep. um, I'll never beat him again. Okay. I'll never beat him again. He's 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 pretty special, hmm. and actually, so is my my big one's fifteen, and and he can he can really play. He, you know, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. I, as and Troy already knows this. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to beat somebody, there's that gear that you don't get to. Yes, right? my boy, my boy is a sweetheart, and he just wants everybody to have a good game. Oh my! And he's he's very good, but if 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 it's between him losing and you losing, he'll lose every time. Really? Wow! And he's he's talented enough to to be special, Hmm. but he just doesn't have that thing that makes him want to that killer instinct almost. Yes. Yes. Yep. Wow! And and you said your older boy. How old is he? He's fifteen. Okay, because uh, I coach baseball. I coach. Uh, I coach. In North- I coach Legion ball uh, in Jonestown, and uh, oh. yeah, and uh, so I've been coaching that. I guess. Uh, well, this would have been our second year coaching it, and um, but I, I'm still coaching it. In fact, I, I also umpire a lot, and uh, and I do a lot of these um, summer tournaments as well as um, other summer ball leagues as well well you'll run into him he he's a he's a nice nice baseball player mm-hmm. that if he if he finds that he uh, there, there's he's he's natural enough okay. but you'll know him right away he's got all the hair how about it <laughs> <laughs> it's this beautiful I where he got that from uh. ah, it was not from me 
but his is big and curly and thick and just beautiful. Okay. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, I look forward, so I look forward to seeing him sometime. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Talk to him when you when you most see him definitely. when you catch him on the bases. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, what position does he play? He he pitches a little. Okay. He likes the corner infield. Oh, um, okay. So we'll see how that. I think his position is first base. Mm-hmm. That's what I see him as. But he can he can play the outfield. He, you know, well you you'll understand this. There's guys that can do every single thing well, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what he does. He gotcha. can't. He's not <laughs> here, so I can tell you, he can't run. Oh, he can't run, which makes him a good first baseman. It does. It does. <laughs> Actually, I say that he can't run unless. He's in a foot race with his brother, mm. and he can beat him. Interesting. It's just the will. It's yeah. just the will. Yeah. So, so maybe like. he needs to have his brother running down the first baseline with him when he's running the ball out. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, if he'd have his, if he could only play against his brother, he'd yeah. be ready for the major leagues. <laughs> well, here, here's another small world for you. I I coached at Anvil High School as well with Cappy. How long ago was that? <laughs> I coached the 04 team uh, when they won districts. Ah. Oh, yeah. This is a small world. Yeah. Well, I coach I coach the 14U and the, and I help with the teeners. So um, my, okay. my boy is a couple. This is getting to be a little <laughs> bit funny. I used now. to play for Belgrove too, by the way. <laughs> did you play for... Did you play for a guy named Jim Baumgartner? Jim Baum... No, I played... Uh, and I can't remember. I, I want to say his name is Jeff, but he used to drive. I remember he drove this orange Corvette, and uh, he had these. And he had artificial legs um, from some accident oh. in the past. But he was my coach at Belgrove, and uh, along with Glenn Kreiser. Oh my! Yeah, this is this is crazy. I didn't grow up in the area, okay. So I am only seeing how knotted up everybody is. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do know who Jim Baumgartner is. Yep, fact. he actually, I only know him, I know him, he's a good friend mm-hmm. through the church and everything. Oh, okay, so, very nice. Yeah, so, so, just fascinating. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, this has been really, well, really fun. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm glad I could connect you guys. I mean, I guess I lost a friend now. <laughs> <laughs> you just gained a trio, Troy. That's yeah. All. That's all. You'll never lose me, I can tell you that. <laughs> You're there a good you go. dude, man. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Hey, so well, uh, one more thing before we go, Chad. Um, um, I know you don't really like to push your book because I know you know you like to kind of hand it to people and give it to them yourselves. Um, where can people find information about your church? Where can they find information about your book if they do want to look into it? Um, tell us a little bit about where they can find things about you and what you believe in. All right. Um, the church is the Bridge Faith Community. Mm-hmm. And if you look up bridgefaithcommunity.com, that's our website. That has all the messages I write there all the time. I have a blog that I write for called love with a capital L.com. And what that is, is just me talking about music and movies and, and things like that. I mean, it's still spiritual a little bit, um, but it doesn't have to be as overt. I can just talk about songs I like and um, the book is again called Chronicles Nehemiah and um, other books nobody reads 
And that is available. The website that it's on is lulu.com, which is the place that I could self-publish it. But if you wanted it from me, which is the preferable method, my email address is chadangel at comcast.net. And that would also be the way that we can talk. All right. And get Excellent. to know each other and become friends. Most definitely. And you can also find uh, the Bridge Faith community on Facebook. Yes, I do. Um, I do some live posts there as well. So if you go to Facebook, it's Bridge Faith community there as well. So during the week, I do live um, little 20-minute. I call them minis. They can be about anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to hear that China is representing on uh, Sunday. <laughs> On Facebook Live. <laughs> they are representing on my love <laughs> website. There you it's go. It's crazy. So maybe they like me talking about my, the songs I like. <laughs> Could be. Could Very be. possibly. Uh, well, hey, Chad, so, once again, man, really great meeting you and uh, and really enjoyed hearing your story. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit towards, you know, where you used to be to where you are now. And, and and you don't it doesn't sound like you regret where you came from it sounds like you enjoyed learning from where you came from and that's that's awesome to see yeah yeah that's that's a good way to put it that's exactly how i see it mm -hmm. exactly awesome chad thanks so yeah. much for your time buddy this has been just outstanding i, I really love the podcast i'm glad it's been so successful well, good i so, appreciate thank you. that keep it up howie it's been nice to meet you yep nice meeting you as well hey you take all right, and uh, that was uh, that was our interview with Chad, and uh, I think I gained a friend, Troy. Uh, yeah, he's you know. he's a super super great guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's one of the things I said when we were interviewing him, and it and it still stands out is he always had this feeling of um, not worthy enough, not good enough, not mm -hmm. whatever. But I even said this to him in the interview, like when you talk to him. You never got that vibe from him. No. He always made you feel like you were worthy of his time, worthy. Like, he was such a great, well, he is. He's still a very great listener. Yeah. Like, he just listens to what you're saying, and he always has something to reply back with. Mm -hmm. And it might not be um, advice, but it's something to make you, you know, at least feel better about what you were talking to him about. Yes, I agree. Um, so, he, I don't know. I think he found the perfect spot for him right now because he's a great speaker. So, he's able to get up in front of people and speak. Mm -hmm. And um, whether it be, you know, whether it's about religion or not, doesn't really matter. Yeah. He has an audience and it's what he's good at doing. Yeah. And this guy um, has true life experiences. He's not like, right. he's not shoving religion down your throat, you know. And that's. No, and he won't do that. No, and he won't. And he admits to that. And he, in fact, he knows. Because, you know, and I think I think a lot of this has to do with how he got into the religious aspect of it himself. Uh, right. It's just really cool that he can respect other people's wishes. You know, they might be coming in right now with, uh, you know what, I, I'm not buying into this and I'm not doing this. It's like, you know what, that's fine. That's your choice, you know, but just be open to things. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what he was. He was open to things. And when he was open, he, you know, well, I think he got open to things with a little help from his then girlfriend. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, uh, 
but he was persuaded. What a great story, right, about going in there. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to church. I know what it's all yeah. about. Just an organized, yeah. whatever, yep. uh, money it's, grabber. If you're dating... in there, <laughs> and it's their big fundraiser. I know. <laughs> and if you're, if you're, if you're going to date me on Saturday, you need to attend church on Sunday, I think was his quote. Yep. You know? Yep. Or her quote, I should say. Her quote, right. Yeah. Her quote, yep. <laughs> and, and she's super awesome, too. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, she's she's great. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, you can find them. I mean, if if it's something you're interested in talking to him about, he'd mm-hmm. love to talk to you. I know he would. Um, you can find him on Facebook. Um, it's Bridge Faith Community. Uh, you can find him there. How do you spell um, his last name again? S L A B A C H. Okay. Um, you can you can email him. Um, they have an email address. It's chadangel at comcast dot net. Um. Because that's his wonderful wife's name. Her name's Angel. So he literally had an angel come into his life in more ways than one. So. <laughs> yeah, I would say sh- um, I would say so. So I'm but, sorry. Uh, how do you spell his last name again? S L S L A B A C H. Okay. I don't know why I always want to put a Y in there. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, really interesting guy. And uh, yeah, and can you can you attend his services online right now? You can right now. Like, I don't know how long that'll be open, uh-huh. you know, because with COVID and everything. But, yeah, right now, like, um, you know, as we're recording this this morning, it'll start at 1030. Yeah. So if you go to, uh, you know, to Facebook and you find the Bridge Faith Community, uh, you'll be able to log on to his live session. Yep. Yeah. yeah awesome. So. Yeah. So, um, uh, but, yeah, so that was Chad. And, uh, and like I said, I think I met a good friend there because, you know, we have a lot in common. And, uh mm-hmm. And I and I even think his thought process I can relate to. You know, mm-hmm. he he at least goes in with that open mind, and he and he he's not a, he's not shy when it comes to approaching new things and new ideas. No, yeah, he's not a shy person yeah. at all. He'll he'll strike up conversations with anybody. Or like, yeah, yeah, just you know, his whole demeanor is not shy at all. No, no, so. I would imagine not. But yeah, so really nice guy. I'm glad you introduced me to him, and uh, and. And I'm more than happy to to share the wealth to our fans, you know. And mm-hmm. speaking of our fans, by the way, Troy, we are approaching 800 already. I mean, we're nice. Yeah, we're over 700 and I want to say 772, I believe. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, good. So we're we're continuing to grow, and uh, and it's not just Thanks. around here, you know. We have a worldwide audience, which is kind of appreciate weird. everybody listening and really, you know. We're just we're just having fun doing our thing, trying yep. to get information out to people, and uh, that's right. The, the more the merrier, yep. you know. Enjoy our show. So yep. uh, yeah. So with that being said, I think this is a good time to close it out, and uh, yep. you know, until next time. Like I said, uh, or like Troy said, stay tuned for our uh, football pick show, and uh, we'll reveal the winners, and we'll also pick for the following week, and uh, we'll let you know how we did. Yes, sir. So. Um, you you have a good start, by the way, at least going into this show. So you you probably have the closest. Well, you do have the closest in regards to uh, Kansas City. Yeah, I had the I had the points right. Just uh, I missed by. Uh, I had the field goals on the wrong teams there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So, but all is good. So yep. uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. And uh, and we have another. Oh, by the way, this month is uh, Suicide Awareness Month. And uh, I'm hoping, uh, I'll have to confirm it, but I think we're going to be talking to a guest, a very special guest. She does a lot of speaking engagements uh, countrywide, nationwide. 
and uh, and I actually met her through crisis because I helped her with talking to the schools around here uh, Leanne Hall so I'm hoping that uh, it's still a go for her this Wednesday we'll be talking to her and interviewing and recording uh, but she lost her 16 year old son to suicide and uh, she's really got a she's really got a cool story to, to share. Uh, and I think you guys will enjoy that show, uh, as long as we can get her on anyway. So yep, hopefully everything works out there. It should be fine. Yep. Most definitely. So, all right. So with that being said, Troy, um, I guess, uh, enjoy your week and, uh, we'll stay tuned until the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at stay tuned TNH. Email us, stay tuned, tnh at gmail.com. And uh, whichever podcast avenue you're listening to us on, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And until next week, stay tuned.